Thank you so much, the worship team. Good morning, family. I'm very excited to be here. It feels like it's been a long time coming, you know. But I'm very excited to be here. So, so happy. Thank you so much um, to just the worship team. It's been such a lovely time with the Lord. And thank you to Liana. This morning, I'm very excited to share the word with you. We will be looking in the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 10 to 18. The book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 10 to 18. I'll be reading from the NIV UK version, and I would like for you to please keep up with me. But before I read it, I would like to ask you something. I want you to be part of this reading of the scriptures. And there's a part that I would like for you to mention. You see, this is a portion of scripture whereby God is asking the Israelites and the Judah, Jerusalem people, he's asking them questions. And he's asking them questions about who he is, and he wanted to affirm them about who he was as God in their lives. And they were concerned, they were concerned in this time because he was giving a word through Isaiah, a word, a prophetic word, that was saying to them, listen, I am God and I am in charge. It doesn't matter what is happening in your nation, I am in charge. And God was saying to them, listen, I am here and nothing's going to change. I'm going nowhere. And so I would like for us to read just the first two verses. And these verses, after each and every part, you will see there's a question mark. It will come up on the screens. There's a question mark. And when there's a question mark, I'm going to pause for a second. And your response must be no one. No one. So I'm going to read and there's going to be a question and your response must be? Okay, so I'm going to start with just two verses, then I'm going to start reading again from verse 10. When I get to the question, your part will only be to say no one. Okay, we're doing a trial run. (laughs) Verse 12. Who has measured the waters in the hull of his hand or with the breath of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? All right, good trial. But this time around, I want you to say it with oomph. I once heard the word in Zulu, umtlata. I think in English, it's like zest, you know, vuma. Let's go for it. Okay, I'm going to start reading from verse 10. There will be no questions, but as soon as we go into verse 12, I'm going to pause and give you a moment to say no one. And this is actually what God was saying to them. He was saying, do you question who I am? Do you question what I represent and my character? All right, let's try. Let's go for it. From verse 10 to verse 18. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty hand. See, his reward is with him and, he, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or with the breath of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? 
Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him, all the nations are nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. With whom then will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, I want to thank you this morning. Your word is truth. Your word is life. Father, as we engage with your word and we unpack it, Father, speak into our hearts. We open our hearts. We avail ourselves, our minds, Lord. May our spirit respond to you and say, there is no one like you. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was growing up in Sunday school, there was a song called, He's Got the Whole World in His Hand. He's got the whole world in His hands. 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 That is the title of my message this morning. He's got the whole world in His hands. And there is a reason why God is the one who's got this whole world in His hands. When we look at the book of Isaiah, when he starts off in verse 1, the words that come up are comfort my people, comfort my people. Why is God saying comfort my people? Because the people were overwhelmed. The nation was not going as it's supposed to be. Things were not going in the right way. They were going to be in, in this place where they are in exile and they are being captured. For 70 years, people build their life, their businesses and everything else. And God says, listen, now it's time for a transition. We are moving now from where you are in Babylon. I will move you into Jerusalem, a place where you will live for me and you will worship me. And so the people were wondering, God, how are you going to do this? The nation we are under is so powerful. How are we going to do this? See, we, we're going to be wrecked. We will lose our lives. There will be nothing in order. And we will not be able to make it. The people were disheartened. The people were discouraged. You see, that's the same thing that I was feeling when I was preparing this message this morning. That perhaps you may be sitting here or you may be listening and watching. And perhaps your heart is perplexed. You are wondering what is going on in our nation. The things that are taking place, they are very, very stressful. We are being bombarded with difficulties. Politically. Economically. Low shading. Even right now we are in low shading. Even though at the church, it's like the light of the house, you know, the lighthouse. We are, we're going to be fine. But there's a lot of things that are happening and they are overwhelming. But God this morning, through this word, he's saying he's got the whole world in his hands. If he's got the whole world in his hands, I can assure you this morning, he's got South Africa in his hands. Amen. He's got South Africa in his hands. But people, like normal people would, they wondered, God, are you really in charge? God, do you really have this in your hands? Are you, are you in control? Are you able to do this? Are you sure you can do it? And God realizes that the people were overwhelmed. 
They were not sure, is God going to be able to deliver them? Is God going to be able to do this? They were wondering, God, are you really capable of doing this? And that's why the, the words from the Lord, he's asking them, who has done all these things? And the answer he was looking for was them to say, no one. No one, Lord, has got this. Only you've got it. There's no one we can liken our lives or, or we can say it's a God. There's no one else. It's only you. And so God is saying to these people, guys, come on now. You need to believe in me. You need to trust in me for your nation. You need to cry out to me. I will do it. I will deliver you. God is saying this to the people of Israel. And he was taking them. He was, he was saying this is what's going to happen. It was a prophetic word. Remember, in those days, it wasn't like a prophet, just in like somebody who foretells the future. But Isaiah was seen as a messenger of God's word. He was to deliver what God wanted to do and wanted to say to the people. And so this morning, out of this title, he's got the whole world in his hands. God is highlighting the four titles that no one else holds. These four titles, no one else holds them. Only God holds these four titles. And let me tell you this morning, he's not sharing. He's not sharing these titles because these are who he is. And to assure the people of Israel, he had to tell them, these are my four titles. And I'm not sharing them. And it's for you to understand that because of I hold these titles, I apply as I see fit. Each one of them, I apply them as I see them fit. So the first one is this. God is saying to them, I am the creator of the universe. God is saying to them, I'm the creator of the universe. There is no one who has ever created the universe. I did. The galaxies, the stars, the animals, the waters, ocean, seas, everything God mounted. God created it all. And he's saying, if I can create all this, how can you question my ability to change your circumstance? You cannot question it because if I created it all, then I know how it should work. I know how things should be. And so God is saying to the guys, come on, believe in me. I am the creator of all the universe. And so do not wonder if I'm capable. I have created it all. Now they were probably asking themselves, Rod, if you created it all, then where, what, why is this happening? Where are you? Where, hey, where, why? All these questions people do ask. They remind me of a guy who was an atheist. An atheist is somebody who doesn't believe there is a God. God doesn't exist, nothing like that. This man went on a hike. And he was in the forest, walking and looking at this wonder, looking at the sequoia trees, and he was saying, wow, these giant, beautiful trees. He heard the birds chipping in the background. You know, he saw the rivers flowing and says, wow, look at how evolution has done all this. The beauty from the evolution. There's no God, it's all evolution. Wow, look at that, blue skies, fresh air. He's busy walking with his backpack in the forest. And then suddenly behind him, 
He hears He looks at two meter tall bear is behind him. And the bear goes, ah. <laughs> and the guy starts to feel like, yo, 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 I need to get out of here. And he starts running, yo, yo, somebody, somebody. And as he's running, the bear picks up speed. <laughs> and as the bear is busy chasing him, chasing him, trying to get to him, eventually the bear pushes him down. He falls down, and as he turns, the bear put its palm on his chest. And as the bear was about to give him one swipe, he cried out, God, help me! <laughs> Immediately, everything froze. Everything paused. The, the river stopped running. The birds stopped chipping. And it became completely silent. And then the light, poof, went on. He could see this light, bright. And out of this light, the voice came out. Is it only now that you consider me? Is it only now that you think of me? Is it only now that you think that I can help you? And this man said, I know that it sounds a bit unfair, but I mean, this bear is on me now. But I think it will be unfair for me to say, now that you have done this for me, I must believe in you. But I want to be true to myself, said this atheist guy. Said, I'm not going to say that I believe in you. I'm going to be fair and I'm going to say that is it possible to perhaps change this bear to become a Christian? And then the voice said, okay, that's fine. The light went off. The river started to flow. The birds started to chip again. And the wind started to blow. And the bear came back to life. And as the bear was about to swipe him, it said these words, Lord, for, about, for what I'm about to receive, I thank you. Amen. God is the creator of all the universe. He's in charge and he holds it all together. It doesn't matter where we are. It doesn't matter what is happening. The one who creates is the one who determines where it all must go. And so this morning we are reminded from the word of God, I created everything. You can trust in me. You can put your trust in me. In the midst of all that is happening, look to me. I am able to change circumstances. I'm able to flip it all, and that will be for my good grace, mercy upon you. The second thing that the scripture highlights for us, not only is God the creator, and that is a title only he holds, the creator of the universe, and he doesn't share that title, and the second one is he's the controller of all existence. God is the controller of all existence. All that we see here every single day of our lives, he put it to being. He is the sustainer of every single thing. He holds it all in his hand. 
And he says, I am control it all. There is, the, the outcomes that we see may not be favorable in our own eyes, but God controls it all. You know why? Because sometimes we look through life through a keyhole, and we see that there's, there's couches in this place, there's a TV. Ah, Mara, then you don't see anything else. Then you think that's all there is. You see, your world and, and my world, they're small compared to God's world. God is sovereign. God is able to see everything. We see only in part a small glimpse of what he's doing or what is there. But God sees it all. He is the controller of all existence. And he changes outcomes as he sees them fit. Between the year 1989 and 1999, a couple, a pastor by the name of Pastor David Mnigi and Iris Mnigi, they felt the Lord saying to them, they must start praying for our nation, South Africa. And they started to pray just as a church, and they started to fast and pray. If you remember that time, it was a time of transition in our country. There was a lot of things that were going on, negotiations and all those things were happening, transition of power, all those things were taking place. And Pastor David and Iris, they felt that the Lord was saying they must fast and pray. They gathered a few people. The first time around, it was just 70 people that they were praying with. But as the years went, people started to hear about this prayer movement. And they started to pray with more bigger crowds, 300, 500 people, 1,000 people. 10,000 people, the crowds continued to grow as things intensified in our country. If you remember that time, between 1991 and 1994, there was even this whole thing around the fact that our country will end up in a bloodbath. And when that didn't happen, even the journalists admitted that it was a miracle. But because somebody behind the scenes was praying, somebody behind the scenes was crying out to God, God, you are the controller of all that exists. Let the words that are negative on our nation not come to pass. When there was strife and there were things happening, God was busy controlling what needs to happen. And today we can sit here because I really believe somebody did pray. Not only them, probably other parts, but the story is told so that we can know it's a testament. From that time until 1999, they prayed and they said, God, you control the outcome. You finalized how should our nation be. And they spoke that and they lived that. And by the time the prayer meetings ended in 1999, there were over 100,000 people praying for our nation. You see, this is what we are called for, that we as a people of this nation, that we would pray that God let, your, let the outcomes be what you want. Not what man wants, but what your will is for our nation. I'm a bit biased in, for South Africa. Why? I live here, Batung. I stay here. This is my home. This is where I'm at. And I believe God has put me here, has put you here for a reason. Because he wants to see his will be done in and through you and I. Amen. And so God controls all that exists in Jesus' name. I'm so grateful that it's him who is in charge and not me or anyone else for that matter. <laughs> God is in control. And he was telling them these words. The third point that I would like to highlight, and this is part of who God is. This is the title he doesn't share. Not only is he the creator, 
Not only is he the controller, God is telling this Israelite nation and he's telling them, listen guys, I'm also the caretaker of all the earth. I, I care for it. He says that he leads, he leads the, he's like a shepherd who leads those with the young gently and he holds them in, in his arms. God is saying that I am the caretaker. Everything that is happening, I care for everything. Not only for people, for animals too, for the trees, for everything that he created. I mean, you can imagine the things that are in your home where you live. You don't want to just mess with them. You want to care for them. You want them to last long if those things are appliances or if it's a vehicle, whatever it is. You want to take care of it. And so God the same. He, he says that I'm a caretaker of all the earth. I take care of my own things, and I make sure that they remain in a good state, that they, are, they hold together, that everything that I've created is sustained. A friend of mine a while back introduced me to an app called Flight Radar, and I'm going to ask the guys to put this picture on the screen. It's a small like clip. If you look there, you will see that all those yellow dots, if you are far and you can't see, but these, they're like plane shapes. All these planes, they have like a, a tracker inside, and they can see where each plane is at. And I would like to say thank you to Flight Radar 24. Um, this shows us where the planes are. So if your plane leaves South Africa and it flies, they can track it from here to wherever, Abu Dhabi. UK, wherever it goes, they can trace it. Now, not all the planes have this thing, the tracker. Some of the planes are not there on the map because they don't have it, so they can't pick them up. But I would like to give you an idea of why is this picture so incredible. And it shows us that God is really the caretaker of all the earth. At any given time, we are told, at any given time, right now as we sit here, we are told that there's over 2 million planes in the air. And in those planes, there's over 6 million passengers. That is just in the air. It, it's been shared that if all the planes were to all pack and not like they should come in and they must not fly, no plane to fly, we will not have enough land. That's how many planes we have. And all these planes are currently, all of them flying across the world. Look at how close in those areas, like in Europe and in North America. All those planes, they are not crashing into each other. God is the caretaker. God is the caretaker. Not only six million people flying at this moment, we have people also on earth, pedestrians. We have people driving. We have people in buildings. That is just people, not animals, not birds, not just think about it for a moment. How much goes into sustaining that? God is massive. He's huge. Whenever he was saying these words, to the Israelites, even in other portions of scripture. He was saying to them, I'm, I'm so big, you have no clue, man. My ways are higher, I am way, <laughs> I'm so big, I want you to understand. If you make me and you call out to me into who I am and in how big and vast I am, 
everything around you will start to become smaller. In our nation, we can think the stuff is so big and, you know, there's low shedding, political unemployment. All these things are real and we feel them and they affect our everyday lives. But God is bigger. He is the caretaker of all the earth. And he's taking care of you and I. And if he's got the whole world like that, then I believe it with all my heart, he's got South Africa in his hand too. That is what it's about. To assure us that he's here. When we cry out to him, he responds, he answers. God is the creator of the universe. He's a controller of all existence. God is a caretaker of all the earth. And the fourth title that he doesn't share, he's the comforter of all mankind. Amen. I'm glad I'm on the list. God is a comforter of all mankind. When we think it's all finished, it's all said and done, God says, no, it's not done. When we think that that's it, God says, no, not a chance. It's not done. I have the final say. God has got the final say. And sometimes we can think, no, but we can't continue anymore. This is finished. There's nothing else. God says there is hope. There is hope for us in South Africa. There is hope because he is in South Africa. Because of his love for us. Because we are here as his children. There is hope for us. In the midst of all that we are facing, there is hope for us. And we must not let up and give up. And so, I thought on a lighter note for this morning. Since we've been watching the World Cup, it's been going on. I'm a bit disappointed. My personal team was brazil You know, I'm disappointed that they were knocked out. And I'm like, Ish, guys, man, you scored first. Most. Why didn't you just finish it off? Four minutes to go. Aye. You know, I was disappointed. So I thought perhaps it would be good to put up a clip on something that can highlight the fact that when we think that we are done or it's all complete, God is the one who has the final say. Guys, thank you so much. You can put up the clip for me. God has got the final say. Don't be disappointed. Don't be disappointed. God has got the final say. Amen. So this morning, I would like to ask you to please stand. I want us to pray for our nation. The Bible says that when we humble ourselves and we repent of our sin, he will hear from heaven and he will answer us. He will heal our land. And I think our land needs healing at this moment. Our nation needs God to move. And so I've put some prayer points for us to pray 
You can pray in groups of three or four with somebody or some people next, next to you. We're going to have this um, time together and to pray for South Africa, for the political stance and the political position we find ourselves as a nation, and for the economy, for our power utility, oh, uh, for unemployment. These are serious things. I would like to ask the worship team to come up as we, we're going to take some moment and few minutes to pray. But these are the things that I felt to, for us to pray for because it doesn't matter who you are right now here, these things affect all of us. None of us is immune to this. But we know only one thing, and that is to pray. And when we pray, God gives us wisdom, direction. We can take action. We can do things that he wants. We can be aligned with what God wants to do. And so I want us to pray, maybe three, four, turn around with, with someone who, whom you don't know. <laughs> and then we're going to pray for, for these things. And the, the worship team will play softly in the background. But we want to pray that, God, you will touch our, our economy, that you will help us in our nation when it comes to the political stance that we find ourselves in, the condition we find ourselves, that our power utility, yo, that we will, we will find the breakthrough there, Lord, and for unemployment, because these things are, are real. I'm going to close in, in prayer, and then we will be on our way. Father, I want to thank you, Lord. Father, we want to thank you that your word says that your house will be a house of prayer. And prayer for all nations, Father. And that is, that is your heart, Lord, that in this house we can pray. In your presence we can bring our request to you. Father, Lord, you heard every prayer, Lord, and we send it out to you. We say, Lord, you are our present help. No one else but you. Thank you, Lord, that you remind us in your word that you are the creator, the controller, the caretaker, and the comforter, Lord. We thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Father, this morning as we go and we engage in different things, help us to remember that you are with us and we can trust in you. Help us, Lord, that our words can be in line with what you want to see happen in our nation. We thank you, Father, Lord, that economically, politically, um, even with our power utility, Father, and with the unemployment rate, Lord, you know all those things. We cry out to you, Lord. Help us, Father. Carry us through in the name of Jesus. I pray a blessing upon your people. May you shine your face upon them. Give them peace, Lord, and walk with them. Whatever they do, Lord, and whatever they put their hands on, may it succeed because they walk with you. Thank you, Father, Lord. Bless them, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Excellent.